Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So I'm going to speak on righteousness tonight. It says in Romans chapter 9 verse 30, it says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Now, many of you might be aware that uh, we changed our car. Um, we had a Vauxhall Antara, uh, which uh, Cheryl loved. It was her favourite car. And, uh, and uh, she would drive it everywhere um, and not. And uh, so uh, we changed it out. Uh, we'd had it for three years and we changed it out. And we, we got ourselves a five-year-old VW Tiguan. And um, which is just a better car. VWs are, are better. Their exhaust emissions are amazing, and uh, so they they just they just make um, make for a better car. And so we, we got in the car. It's a, it's a little bit smaller. Um, it, it's apparently four wheel drive, but I certainly wouldn't take it anywhere other than the road. And uh, so it, um, but it, it, you know, it's, it's a great little car, it's really economical and we're really just loving it. So I went down to the garage um, to book our Land Rover, which we still have, and I booked that in for a service um, uh, and uh, get some r- repairs uh, done to it. And uh, while I'm there, I'm chatting away to the mechanic, and I often chat to them there, just find out what their thoughts are about different cars. Now, I knew that they liked VWs, and I know that the, the, the mechanic down there, his wife drives, uh, a, a, um, drives a VW Tiguan because it sits in their drive, um, and you have to walk, drive past the house to get to the garage. And so, so you, I knew that they liked it, so I said, oh, I've got myself a, a VW Tiguan. You should have seen his face. He kind of lit up. It was like, you know, the sort of, um, you know, the sort of the Aberdeenshire country folk. They're not renowned for their animated expression, right? And so he, he almost, I swear he almost smiled. It, um, and uh, he, he just said, he just went on about how great the car is and, um, and uh, 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 cheaper to run than a Land Rover. He was making a point there. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> And it was what what was quite fascinating about this was that you know I we've um, had a few cars in the time that we've we've lived uh, up there and uh, all of them have found their way in his garage at some point and now I for the first time I've I've got a car that he would own and I kind of feel like I'm now in the club I'm kind of accepted there's kind of there's a camaraderie it's like it's like he has a VW Tiguan. He's approved of these VW Tiguans, and, and so I have one too. And you could tell that just by his expression that his approval is, isn't just because I got one, but I got one because he got one. It's like, and to fair to say, I, I would look at what car he drives as I go by. Oh, he's got a, got a VW. Well, you would think that a mechanic would make a choice that was easiest on them, wouldn't you? You're like, you know, anyone who's in the know, it's a mechanic about what car to buy. And so 
And so I did have that ticking away in my mind. And so now he, he's kind of approving of me because I've bought this car that is kind of like it, it's, it's, I'm in the club, which is a little bit like there's a Land Rover club as well. And for people who drive Land Rovers, now on Facebook, I have a Land Rover. I follow the Land Rover owners. It's Land Rover owners Facebook page. And it's a little different to this kind of relationship I have with the mechanic. The, the Land Rover, it, for Land Rover owners, it's, it's, there's a higher degree of, you can't just own a Land Rover. It's got to be a specific Land Rover. Any old Land Rover won't do. It has to be a Defender of any age. It can be really old Defender, or it could be like a brand new one. Defenders, all Defenders are good. Discoveries, okay, um, but only the old ones, and, and, and known as discos, for some bizarre reason. <laughs> they do, they call them discos. And discovery, if you shorten it, it spells disco, and so they call them discos. And it just it has the wrong image, because I see John Travolta every time, <laughs> driving... The car, and it kind of ruins, it doesn't work, and so, but they call them disco, and for some reason, they also only approve of Ranger, an old Range Rover called a P38. I've never heard of a P38, don't know what they're talking about, but only the people in the know know what you're talking about, and those are the only Land Rovers approved. But what happens is there are other Land Rover owners who go, oh, I've got a Land Rover, I've got a free Land Rover, and they click. Now, I've been very smart. I haven't told them what I drive. I haven't put photo- but I've seen what happens to other freelander owners when they put photographs of their car on the Facebook page. They are, abs- they are verbally crucified. They are, they are taken apart, and they're made to feel completely useless. Their car is described as a heap of junk, and they are obviously a heap of junk too. It's quite extraordinary. It's a brutal world out there on social media. But I still follow it because I like the pictures. I just don't like the people who post them. And, and <laughs> but it's amazing how, in this place, in this world, that we're constantly looking for a place of approval and everybody wants to be approved as being right in something actually that's what we all if if you ask anyone their opinion if you say to them what what phone do you have most of them, oh, oh i've got the iphone 6 or um, yeah if you're thinking of getting a get an iphone or get a samsung as it, it goes either way doesn't it get an iphone or get a samsung or or when you get your clothes oh i go shopping here or it's anything that people just like to feel like they've done something which other people value and would seek their opinion. Because at the end of the day, even if you feel like you're a complete failure at something, even if all you've done is just got a decent haircut and other people go, that's a really good haircut. I like that haircut. People feel approved. They feel like they've done something right. I mean, the rest of their life is a disaster. But they've done something right. They've got a decent haircut. And so everybody kind of feels at some point in life, we want to be approved because we want to be right, at least at something. We're looking to be right. And here's the thing about the prince of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. And that is the rightness of God. And we found in the Bible that the Jews found a way of approving themselves and declaring themselves to be right or to be righteous. 
To be righteous is just to be living right, living correctly, living according to the values, the principles that make you right. And what we discovered that the Jews discovered that if they live according to the law, then according to their own measurement of approval, they were righteous. And so they could therefore, a little bit like the, the Land Rover owner's Facebook page, you can have those who've got the right level of righteous living gets the highest level of approval. And the rest of the millions underneath just sort of look on and never quite, they're not quite there, they're not as good. Paul in the Bible, before he got saved, was one who would have been right up in the ranks of approved righteous Jewish people. They lived righteously according to their own measurement of righteousness. But we read here that the Bible, that righteousness is something very different. It says in Romans Chapter 10 and verse 2, it says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. That's quite amazing, really. Because there was, there couldn't have been, you couldn't have asked anyone, you can't ask anyone more than a Jew to know about God. You, Jews know about God. I mean, they just know about Him. They, they know everything about Him. The Bible was written about them. If anyone knows what the Bible's written about, they do. Right? For they bear them witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, what Moses is saying, that whatever you say is the, the life that you should live, you are now by, bound by those words. So the Jews were bound to live according to the law that, they had, that was set over them, but they were bound by their words. They didn't understand that there was a righteousness, that God's measurement of approval was different to what they were measuring. They created their own measurement. They, they interpreted the law their own way and measured it themselves and said, we are righteous. But righteousness is important. It's important to understand righteousness because to be righteous is to be approved by God. And if you're approved by God, you're in the club. Hello? If you're not approved by God, you're not in the club. I want you to know something about Christianity. It is incredibly exclusive. It's exclusive. It's an exclusive club. You're either in or you're out. Now, it's incredibly inclusive because everyone's invited in. Everyone gets an invite... But not everyone accepts the invitation. So you're either in or you're out. Are you with me? There's an exclusivity in the inclusivity. And the kingdom of God, righteousness is exclusive. You're either righteous or you're not. And to be righteous is the only way to get God's approval. 
Are you with me here? To be righteous is the only way to get God's approval. And, and if you want to do anything in life, I think you need God's approval. For God to approve of you, you have to be righteous. And to be righteous, well, how do you be righteous? The Jews tried everything to be righteous. They used different forms of measurement to be righteous. And everything they did, they failed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this, There is none righteous. This reminds me of when I was growing up in the strict Baptist days, right? And uh, they, they, they loved these verses. I'm going to read a, a few of these scriptures today. and it, it puts shivers down my spine. And I think as a child, what, how this used to get hammered down. I used to feel terrible every time they read this. But this, this verse, right, wasn't written to destroy you. It was written to encourage you. Just, so just hold on. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Right? Romans chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Let me read that to you again because it's quite miserable, isn't it? There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Now, this is interesting because... When I grew up, I grew up in this, in this religious environment that said we're all sinners and everything you do is sinful. And I felt dreadful. I felt like I was a sinful person. I felt like I had to be really, really careful. I, it was the same value that was, put, was being put on us. It was the same value the Jews lived under, under the law. We just lived under a, a different description of the law, but it was still a description of the law. It, they were trying to somehow work on us that we were worthless sort of sinners and there's no good in us. But actually, I've met a lot of people who don't know God who do a lot of good things. So they are doing good things. But here's the problem. Good things, there's no good things you can do which will measure enough to make you righteous. Because it's the wrong measuring stick. You can't, doesn't, you, we should do good things. It's good to do good things. And this verse isn't undermining any good thing that you would do. It, what it says is, and together they became unprofitable. What does it mean? In other words, what happens is together, they got together and they went, if we do this, this and this, that will make us righteous. That will make us approved. That will get us in the club. And you know, it's amazing how we constrained we feel in life that there are things we need to do that gets us in the club. But to get in the club, there is a very, very easy way. And we have to understand that God wants us in His family. He wants us in the club of the kingdom of God. He wants us with a little logo. <laughs> no, He wants us to... <laughs> Now, he wants us on the he wants us in the in the kingdom understanding that he makes us righteous but to be righteous we have to understand that it's not about being good or nice and it doesn't mean to say that being good or nice that we stop being good or nice because it doesn't make any difference what it means is that 
what good thing are you going to do that will measure up to God? It's helping us to understand that God is perfect and there isn't anything we can do to measure up to His perfection. That doesn't mean to say we shouldn't be good because the good things still have value on earthly things. If I go to James and say, James, I, I should maybe help you out. I'll carry the baby out to the car and I promise not to drop her. That would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, I probably would drop her, but that, you know, <laughs> so James would go, and James would do a good thing and go, no, it's fine. I'll do it myself. And, <laughs> and so what happens is that good things are good for life, but they are not righteous or don't produce righteousness. Righteousness is about our right relationship with God that all things are correct. You see, God is righteous. He is correct in all things. He's right in all things. God is right. But rightness is also what God is looking for in us. He wants us to be right. Now, have a look at this verse. It says here, in Romans 3.21, it says this, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. And this is the verse that used to, used to be given to us as a kid, but they never gave us verse 22. Or did they give us verse 23? They just would give us verse, sorry, 24. They would just give us verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now that verse was, was hammered down at me to make you feel terrible. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, that's a description of our personal failure. But this scripture, it says, let me read 22 again. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, the local government has... um, the government has an authority called the LWMA, the Local Weights and Measures Authority. All right? The Local Weights and Measures Authority has great power to make sure that everything that you buy, everything that you have, is correct. All right? So you imagine turning up to the petrol station and having, putting in 60 litres of fuel... That's normally what my car would take. So I come in, 60 litres, I just go from empty to full and back to empty again and back to full. So I know I'm going for 60 litres. So I go for the 60 litres. Imagine you turn up to the petrol station and you're going for 60 litres and the, the guy at the go, you're paying for 60 litres, but you only get 55. And the bloke goes, oh, well, close enough, right? Doesn't matter, close enough. What is a five litres here or there? Close enough. You pay for 60 litres, you get 60 litres. You expect your 60 litres to be correct. The local weights and measures authority turn up and make sure that one litre is one litre. 
And they can shut that thing down if it isn't. They turn up, they go to the markets, and there's the bloke, apples, anyone apples? Apples, buy an apples, pound of apples, 50p. You can buy, they will come and they will check the scales of the man who's selling you the apples of 50p. And if it doesn't give you a pound, they take the man's scales away. They take his apples away. They take his business away. Because you're not allowed to sell something the wrong measurement. I need you to understand that God measures everything. Everything in life is measured. Everything is measured. We measure everything. Sometimes I measure my waist, but I'm trying not to anymore. And uh, <laughs> when everything gets measured, you go to see the doctor to see how, how you feel, how you're feeling. He doesn't go on how you're feeling. He, goes, he does the nice thing, but he's not really interested. The only thing he's interested is the measurement. What is your blood pressure? What are your sugar levels? What is your cholesterol? What are the, what's the measurement? When you go to work, the, your boss will measure the hours you put in. He will also measure the results that you uh, achieved. He will measure it. It comes down to a number. It comes down to a measurement. It comes down to a weights and measures of approval. Everything in life comes down to the weights and measures of approval that we live in, in the natural realm. But God measures all things. Now look at this. In Romans chapter 4, And verse 5, it says this, Just as David described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from the law. Now that's really wordy, isn't it? That's one of those really wordy verses, right? What it means is, blessed is the man who God weighs as righteous when he hasn't done anything to be righteous. Now this is interesting. God weighs you righteous... In the weights and measurements, he takes the weighing and he weighs you as being correct and approved for his kingdom, but you haven't done anything to to be righteous. Because God uses a different measuring system to the things that we use to approve ourselves. We are looking constantly for approval by the things that we do and the things that we say, but God measures you and weighs you righteous, approved in his presence. How does that even work? This is how it works. This is more Bible verse, by the way. You're getting a lot of Bible. Romans chapter 10. It's one of my favorite parts of scripture. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What will you be? Saved, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I want you to see this. We are made righteous by our faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith approves you in the presence of God. And being approved affirms your identity, as Aaron was saying as he took over, as a child of God. Your faith out of your heart. Now here's the thing. Your mind can 
only think of natural things. You may say, but my mind can think of crazy things. I mean, I have some crazy thoughts and crazy dreams. Well, you do, but they're all contained, constrained within the realm of what is possible or possibly possible. It's all constrained. But your heart can transcend, as Cheryl was speaking this morning, and connect to God. Your heart contains. That which you hold within your heart contains your faith. It connects you. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. Righteousness is placed upon you. You are approved righteous because your heart. And here's the thing for your life. A lot of people are going, they're thinking in their mind. What can I, I've got to think more clearly. I've got to think about what God wants me to do. Actually, what you've got to do is just ask your heart what is flowing out of your heart. See, what flows out of your heart isn't a long, elaborate thought. But it is a flash of what God is saying to you. It's just an instantaneous moment. It's a moment when God says, touches your life. When God touches you, it is a moment. And what comes in your heart is a moment. When you believe, you, it, when you believe, you didn't believe because of some calculated thought going along, some rational reason. You may reason amongst yourselves that these things are so, but faith came from the heart and it was a moment that was birthed in your heart. You're looking for the things of God. You want to know what it is to be approved. Let your heart discover what God is revealing and faith will ignite on the inside. You're looking for, oh God, I need a miracle. I need a... You're thinking about it. It's all right to think, but what is your heart saying to you? Because when your heart speaks to you in that moment and your mouth confesses it, So the power of God's righteous works in your life start to take place. That's how I know by faith. See, a lot of people will try and... A lot of people will try and claim a miracle or a healing or or something because somebody else got a miracle and got a healing. They try and go, see, see, God doesn't... As Cheryl was saying this morning... God responds to faith because faith is the only thing that transcends from the natural to the heavenly realm. All right? And the the home of faith is your heart. So you keep faith in your heart and that is where it makes an impact into the heavenly places. Right? You see, nothing else transcends. God doesn't respond to need. It doesn't transcend. He doesn't respond to sickness. It doesn't transcend. Now he's moved by those things. His heart is moved by them, but he doesn't respond to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, response of faith is what causes a response from God. But God is moved by the condition, the heart cry of the people. But faith 
is the only thing that transcends from where we are now to the heavenly realm and causes the, the dynamic supernatural power of God moving through your life. And so when God begins to move upon your life, we have to understand that it is what He birthed in your heart, not what He birthed in somebody else's heart. So we can understand that we can be sick, but being sick doesn't make us unrighteous. Because the world is sick, so you can be sick, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It, here's the thing, right? And I, I'm going to speak about sickness just for a little moment. I'm going to finish with this. And this is a, a little bit of a side message, but I want you to understand this because a lot of people are going, oh, if God would heal me, then I would, my whole family would believe and put all these conditions upon the healing. It's like this healing has to happen, otherwise it's all going to go wrong. And I remember that happening with my, my sister's two-year-old daughter that passed away. And there was great tension in the family. She's got to be healed. She's got to be healed. And I was speaking to the family going, well, we're going to believe God, but you know what? Are you going to believe God anyway? How, where's your heart? Because what is happening is in their mind, people feel like, well, God has to, God has to heal. But when Jesus Christ came and won the victory, won the victory over all things, but it doesn't make everyone rich, does it? Doesn't make everyone successful. Doesn't make everyone intelligent. Doesn't make everyone healthy. Plenty of Christians get sick. In fact, all Christians have some sickness of some kind because we live in this world, right? But here's the thing this is what faith, when faith ignites in your heart, your heart reveals the grace that is flowing in your life. And when you speak of the grace, you find the approval of God's righteousness flowing through your life. And that is where you find your destiny. That is where you find the work of God in your life. That is where you find. And sometimes it is, you're like, oh, I've got to believe for healing. But what is your heart speaking? What ignites in your heart? What is God saying? What is God speaking into your heart? For unto your heart you believe. Under your heart, we believe unto righteousness. When you believe in your heart, you believe unto the correctness of God. Does that make sense? So I, I, want, to, I want to encourage you to, to long in your heart for the things of God. He desires the kingdom of God. The Bible says desires a good thing. He desires ministry desires a good thing. It's good for people to hunger after the heart of God. It says of David, he had the heart of God. In other words, he desired. What was he desiring? He wasn't calculating in his head. He was desiring it out of the flow of his heart. And that is where that transcendent impartation took place. Faith ignited. Uh, it says of Rahab. Uh, in fact, I'll finish with this. Because I went on a side thing there just it says this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31 it speaks of Rahab now 
it describes Rahab as the harlot, which is quite funny, really, isn't it? It's like the harlot Rahab. You think to yourself, she'd be like going, gee, guys, that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) It would be, you know, just talk about my past, will you? (laughs) By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, but when she had received the spies with peace. What more shall I say? From that time, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And aliens is talking about other armies, it's not talking about... Yeah. So, it's (laughs) District 9. And uh, so, (laughs) it's not real. And... (laughs) See, God wants you to understand that when your heart turns, there is a work of righteousness. We find ourselves in the place of being approved by God. We haven't done anything to be approved of ourselves, but a heart connected with Him. In all of our failure, in all of our weakness, we're still the same people. Peter was still the same man. But he stood approved because he believed. He stood righteous because he found that spark in his heart and went, yes, Jesus. That is what we need to do tonight. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.